0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me coming to you from my house in Brooklyn because it's a pandemic. I hope you're safe. I hope you are well. I'm glad you're listening to us This is a fun episode. This is not an episode I would have thought about recording three months ago, but now it makes a lot of sense. I got to talk to an actual gaming celebrity, someone who gets paid to play video games for a living. That's Dr. Lupo, born Ben Lupo, but you can tell your kids you heard an interview with Dr. Lupo. Really smart, really interesting, really engaging, talking about what it's like to do this for a living and what it's like to do this for a living in a pandemic. I also have a really cool conversation with Bijan Steven, my colleague from The Verge, who really has a good sense of what's going on in live streaming in general and on Twitch specifically. He's a really smart guy, really thoughtful. This one went a bunch of different places, has made me think differently about sort of a a phenomenon that's been going on for a while right in front of my face and I didn't ever really understand. So I got a lot of it. I think you will get a lot out of it too. Okay, here's my conversation with Dr. Lupo. I am very excited to bring our first guest on today. My kids are excited. They're cowering in another room. They're so excited. Benjamin Lupo, known to millions of people around the world as Dr. Lupo. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. So like I said, there's a swath of the population that knows exactly who you are. And I bet there's a large part of the population, including a lot of Recode media listeners who don't know what Dr. Lupo is. Uh, we should make clear you are not an actual doctor. You are
2: not dispensing medical advice. What do you do for a day job, Dr. Lupo? I, uh, <laughs> it's funny. I would, sometimes when people ask, I tell them I'm an online male entertainer, uh, but they, uh, <laughs> they're like, wait, that's, that's not what I expect. It, no, I, it is I, true. I play video games for a living, uh, on Twitch and, uh, that stuff gets put to YouTube as like, you know, as, uh, you know, videos recorded afterwards, stuff like that. I would assume that over time
1: it gets less difficult for you to explain what you do for a living. And, but at some point there was a period where no one literally believed that you were playing video games for a living.
2: Yeah, I'd say the last couple of years have made it a lot easier because the explosion that Fortnite caused, uh, like the kind of the the bridge it created into mainstream popular culture, has been it's strong enough. You know, the bridge is wide enough that it's created a world where I can say oh, I play video games for a living, and people will go, "Oh, yeah, I I know about that because X Y Z person that I that I watch on TV, or maybe some you know, football players, baseball players, everybody." plays these games now and they're not really as afraid to talk about it as I think they used to be, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so I think people are, again, gaming has been around for a long time. People know people play video games and I think over the last couple years, like I think you're right, exactly because of Fortnite, people realize that adults play video games a lot and that also you can do this for a living. Um, I think some of our Our listeners have heard of Ninja, Tyler Blevins. He's a colleague slash competitor of yours. When did you start doing this and when did it become an actual job for
2: you? I've been doing it as at least a side thing for almost five years. Actually, coming up sometime in May is five years since I first started. Um, But I've been full-time since my 30th birthday. So a little, it's three years, one month and nine days. I'm looking at the dates of April 29th right now when we're recording this. Yeah. You have one a bit of the just over three years. You've got one of the great work from home jobs. So when when you were doing <laughs> it as a side gig, what was your day job then? Uh, I was a senior systems engineer at an insurance company here uh, in Omaha. I did uh, data center management and virtual machine deployment automation. I did all the coding and stuff for that. I managed you know network security and disaster recovery, all the operations for that. I was an IT guy. I was a very Im- invested IT guy. I mean, I went to college for. Uh, I, I double majored in computer science and web development, and used that through a couple different jobs before I got to the one that I was at uh, when I started streaming. So, a leap from IT guy to professional
1: gamer doesn't sound crazy, but but explain how it works. So, when do you when you said you started doing it on the
2: side? What did that look like? Um, this was before I had my son, and so we. Um, I, I played a game called Destiny, and there's a there was there's a game mode in it called Trials of Osiris, where you would try and win a bunch of games in a row in this first person shooter, and if you did, you got some really cool loot in the game that you couldn't get anywhere else, you know, gear and stuff. Um, and so it was really difficult. You had to win those seven games, and some people were not very good at the PvP side of Destiny. And so me and a buddy, player versus player, you're playing against somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And so me and a buddy of mine were like, hey, we could probably help people do this. Pretty easily because it was really easy for us. So we started using our Twitch channels. Like I, I had the channel before that, just never streamed on so it. So Twitch was around. It couldn't have been yeah. too old at that point, though. It had to be fairly new at that point, right? It was probably about halfway through its lifespan, uh, just it, only, only a couple of years after the jump from Justin TV. I mean, mm-hmm. this was in 2015. So, so as probably Amazon had bought it by that point, I bet. I believe just before that, that had happened, yeah. And so that again, this was a service where gamers went on and, and let people watch them uh, yeah. play games live. Yep, it's like watching football, but you actually get to talk to John Madden while he's commentating instead of you know what I mean, or mm-hmm. like you're talking to the quarterback while he's playing. Right, which is a it's a the whole different experience than kind of anything else because it's truly live. It's we're talking a second delay or less from what is happening and what. You're seeing on screen. So I think that's one of the big distinctions that people don't get,
1: because I think they intellectually will hear the argument that you know watching someone play video games is the same thing as watching someone play football. Um, so if you're you know you're you're not Tom Brady, you're not Dr. Lupo, so it's the same thing. That interconnectivity, I think,
2: is something people don't normally understand. Yeah, they they can physically talk to me while I do what I do. And you don't really get that anywhere else, which is pretty cool. You can at least give them a shout out,
1: sort of like a Peloton instructor, if that makes more sense for my audience. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of, So, so you're doing this in 2015 ish. Um, is there revenue coming in from you, or is it just you're doing it for fun?
2: Um, at first, it was basically just for fun, and it was kind of a side thing on the weekends because that was the, when the game mode was live, it was Fridays through uh, Monday morning, basically. And so, over the weekend, I would jump on Friday night, and we would play a whole bunch. I'd play Saturday most of the day, play Sunday most of the day before somebody is like, hey, because I've, I've seen some responses to what that sounds like. Gaming has always been my hobby. And my wife is a gamer too. So we had played video games together a whole ton. Uh, but at the time she was a photographer. And so on the weekends, she was out shooting sessions or in the evenings she was editing photos anyway, because she had to work. And so I was like, I have this free time, so I might as well play some video games. So at the time I was like, eh, I could stream at the same time. So things just kind of lined up where it wasn't impacting our relationship at all. It wasn't like I was ignoring her to go do this thing. This was just like, it just made the most sense because I was already, you know, we, we sat actually in the old house, we sat side by side, she would edit photos to my left. I was maybe five feet from her and I would stream. In fact, in the camera angle, once I eventually started using a webcam, you could see her sitting right next to me the entire time working at the same time. It was actually pretty funny. So well, what was the gamer response when they're watching you? And they see, Wait, there's a woman there and she's I'm like, ah, this is my wife. She's doing all the important things in the house. <laughs> you, know, you gotta lean into the joke of like gaming Not be yeah. You know what I mean? Like yep. it, just one of those things, man. <laughs>
1: And and so when does it switch over to being a full-time gig and how does that happen? How does someone say, I'm going to, either you say, or someone comes to you and says, I'm going to make it worth your while to just do this for a living?
2: Um, you can apply for partnership on Twitch. And the process what five years ago when I applied for partnership is different than what it, what it is now. Now it's kind of an automated, they give you stats and things. But the
1: partnership means I'm going to stream on your platform. You are going
2: to put advertising around it. I'm going to get a cut of that advertising. And the ability to subscribe to my channel. Uh-huh. So that's where the, the revenue begins to happen is people can pay $5 on Twitch to a channel. Uh, you know The money goes to Twitch and a portion of it, half or more, depending on your contract, goes to the content creator themselves. And then Twitch takes a cut, obviously, because they need to run the site. It's a business. So it, 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 do the ads play a, a role in this or is it just subscriptions in terms of you getting paid? I get a little tiny bit of ad revenue off of impressions, but it's not nearly as much as subscription revenue. It's a fraction of it. So you're doing what everyone in media is trying to do these days, which is have a
1: subscription business. So so you apply for that, you you land, and then it, what? how long does it take you for you to build
2: up an audience that makes it worth your while to stop working? You mean me or people in general? You, you. <laughs> me. Um, I think it took, so I applied for partnership nine months roughly after I first started. It took three attempts. I was actually declined the first two times uh, because my viewership wasn't high enough. And eventually got to the point where they're like, okay, we'll give you a shot. And they gave me partnership. How big was your audience when you when you first got in? Um, I think I was averaging 300 ish viewers. 300 human beings watching you play simultaneously on average each day that I streamed. Yeah, And now you're at uh <laughs> A couple days ago, I think I was I was uh, I've I've seen anywhere between ten thousand and thirty thousand on average, pretty consistently. So, at some point, does Amazon slash Twitch reach out to you as you're growing
1: that audience and say, "Let's figure something else out because this is going places"? Um,
2: it's funny. Until Ninja, I I would have said no. They they pretty much they keep everybody on the same set of contracts throughout and they just renew every couple of years when ninja went to mixer that really kind of blew the door open for custom style contracts of course i can't really get into the details of said contract um but it's it's different it's a it's an exclusivity deal that says hey these this number of years you're going to stream on our platform exclusively guaranteed you're not going to leave uh because Ninja with the Mixer, which is is basically like Twitch, but it's Microsoft's version of Twitch.
1: Right, so Microsoft has launched their own version of Twitch. Um, There are some um, semi-independent versions of it. There's one called Caffeine, which I think was recently...
2: Was it acquired, or at least Fox has an investment in them? Fox owns that one. You have Facebook, which is Facebook. You have YouTube. uh, YouTube has live streaming, which uh, is essentially Google. Um, Amazon has Twitch. Your timing is perfect here,
1: right? Because you get in early um, and we saw this with YouTube back in the day, right? Where the, the first people who started making content regularly for YouTube became YouTube stars in part, cause there are just fewer people there. And then what happens is what sounds like what's happening is there are a bunch of competitors coming that is increasing the demand and value for your services. So it's, it's
2: all good for you for now. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's uh, I mean, competition is always going to be good because it creates innovation in a technology space. If, if it were just Twitch. I'm sure a number of different features that we have now would not be present on the platform that people people enjoy. And so it's it's one of those things where if you don't have other people that are trying to push you to do better, to do more, to you know, to go bigger. It's just you don't have a reason to try.
1: So um, you mentioned Fortnite. That's been a big driver of this. How how conscious of? I'm assuming you're playing multiple games. Are how conscious yep. of you are saying I want to play Fortnite because there's a large audience there. I'll keep doing that. Versus I really like this game, but it's a niche game or it's not that popular. But I want to do
2: it anyway. Uh, how do you how are you balancing that? Um, I'm actually not playing a whole ton of Fortnite right now. Uh, The game's been out for quite a while. And for a lot of people that are content creators like me, I'm not a super competitive player. Like I'm a competitive person. I'm just not uh, at the same skill level. I mean, I'm 33 and I'm playing. I would be playing against 15 year olds that are absolutely insane at the game. It's difficult for me to keep up with those kind of people. I do a pretty good job because I play day in and day out. But. I just can't do it the same way anymore. On top of that, I've been playing other stuff. So obviously, my focus is in there. But there's a, there's a bunch of different games out right now. Uh, Call of Duty, I, I mean, everybody I'm sure has heard of Call of Duty is a mm-hmm. super long-running series of games that has been around for a while. The most recent one, Modern Warfare, has a Battle Royale game mode. And that's Battle Royale, for anybody that doesn't know, it's uh, where you have a whole bunch of people drop in on an island and the safe zone on the island gets smaller and smaller and smaller and forces people to fight each other until there's only one person or team left standing. That's It's, the a, idea. it's a fight to the finish. Um, yeah, exactly.
1: And I, I'm, I'm playing a lot of Fortnite these days. So how much of, of your audience is responding to the
2: game you're playing versus your style and personality? At first, it was definitely the game. Uh, th- I think that's one of the best ways to plant the seed of building viewership. But over time, with the number of things that I've done for charity and people that I've helped, and just the the stuff that I've exposed my audience to, for my family, like they know my son, uh, and they you know they they know my wife, and my mom's been on the stream a bunch, and and like they know who I am, and so it it changes over eventually from. I want to watch this game to I want to watch this streamer play this game. And there are people that are like, I just want to watch the streamer. I don't care what he plays. Do you think that you could port
1: what you're, I mean, a lot of ways what you're doing sounds like, you know, what we used to call a radio DJ or a podcast or any other kind of entertainer uh, where people become invested in them and their personality. Could you do what you're doing and not doing in a gaming setting? Could you be a DJ?
2: Could you do some other kind of media? I think you should look out for uh, the not so far away future in relation to that. We've got stuff in the works to transition a portion of what I do to non-gaming related stuff, or at least not me playing games. I've done Fortnite commentary for a, pretty much every major world event uh, for them. The, you know, the Fortnite World Cup in New York and all the stuff before that. I was one of the faces of the guys that did the, the play-by-play and all that. And so obviously I've out there already that I have the chops to do those kind of things because companies have trusted in me to do that. And I've gone ahead and done it. Actually, I think going live today, uh, I have a, a Gillette commercial that you'll see on YouTube and Twitch and stuff that would, they sent me the hardware and I recorded here at home. And it, it's pretty wild that that's like a thing now. But we're working on stuff to get to kind of break the barrier down of oh, Lupo streams on Twitch it, and kind of push it more into a, a mainstream position because it's one of those things like sustainability is important. Obviously, I can't play video games for, for the rest of my life. Not because I don't want to, but because you know, maybe I'm going to get arthritis one day, or or have vision problems. I'm I'm watching you know I
1: mean? the, uh, the the Jordan documentary, and I keep thinking about him coming back uh, when he was done. I don't know if you paid attention to the NBA, but when he came back after playing for the Bulls and played for the Wizards for a couple of years, and he still could do things other people couldn't do, but he was definitely not Michael Jordan anyway.
2: Exactly, like there, there's there's a line where you're like, okay, maybe now's the time to see what else. I can make my way into if people are open to having me there. So, you know, podcasts, TV shows, something uh, not too far away. So you're working from home for a living.
1: I'm working from home because I have to right now and probably will for a while. What has the the coronavirus and COVID um, and, and a lot more people at home,
2: how has that affected what you do, what your audience is looking for, if at all? Uh, viewership is definitely up as a whole. I think more people with more free time at home that can do what they would typically do are looking for some way to occupy their mind. And so Twitch is definitely a good way if you're into gaming. Um, I think somebody did, uh, did like a, a, statistics check and I saw it somewhere else. It was like viewership as a whole on Twitch is up 25 to 30%. That's pretty incredible. That's a lot of people that have time it's. Sad that the cause for that viewership increase is what it is. I mean, we're in a, a pretty scary position right now as a country, as a, as a planet, um, and hopefully things recover soon. But it's definitely it's changed on the the viewership side. For me, my day to day is still the same. I get up every single morning at seven when my son runs in and jumps on the bed. Uh, I make my coffee, take a shower, get get dressed for the day. Uh, I think the it's funny people are like, yeah, hey, we. Well, All you wear is pajamas. I'm like, yeah, that's my uniform. Come on, guys. It's nice to be able to have a job where I can be comfortable and and relatable to the people that are watching me. I, you know, I'm not gonna get dressed up in a suit and tie every single day because that's not typically what you would wear while playing video games. I gotta look like the same guy that everybody would imagine sitting next to on their couch while you know while they're playing something. So all that is still the same for me. I think the difference from this event. Where it really has impacted our day to day is my wife and my son. We haven't been to swimming lessons for him in a while. He has not gone to daycare, so she has become almost 100% stay-at-home mom. Which I don't is, know if you can see me, but I'm nodding my head. No, I, I can, yeah. and yeah, it's I. Uh, I'm I'm super thankful for everything that she's done because she's had to make sacrifices herself to be able to do this. She typically is my manager. She does all the email correspondence. She talks to my agency way more than I have time to because this job requires me to be 100% focused. Like, if you're, if anybody out there that's listening, if you have like an office job, I mean, you know, if you get a text message, you can check it real quick. If you need to take a phone call, that kind of thing, that's fine. It's not a big deal. If I do those things, I lose viewership and that's my job, right? So, you have to be 100% focused on what you're doing because people, you don't want to watch somebody that's, pardon me, but half-assing it. It's, it's not a... You're, I, you're an entertainer. Exactly. People want to be entertained. And so if I'm not giving them the entertainment level that, that, that they expect, then people are going to go somewhere else to try and find it. So I can't be 50%. I can't even be 75%. I got to be at 100% the entire day. And since I do eight hours during the day, then there you get eight hours straight of me not being able to reply to these things. and. That can be tough. So that's why she is, has always been the the head for that kind of thing. But right now, it's like her time is way more dedicated to him, as it should be, because he can't go to daycare. I'm thankful that my mother is still able to come over because she has been super quarantined too. Uh, she's been you know not going out, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, hasn't had anybody over. So she's still safe. So she could drive over and take care of him uh, one day a week. But the other couple of days where he was going to daycare, she has to work with him all day and at four, any, anybody out there got a four-year-old, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about when they're like, they, mommy, will you play with me? Mommy, will you play with mm-hmm. me? Mommy, will you play with me? I mean, it, it's, she can't do anything for more than two seconds before he's asking for his attention back, so. And then he wants to bother you, but daddy's playing video games for a living.
1: I, 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 speaking of kids, so my kids are 10 and 11. They're consuming a lot of stuff. They're, they're watching you and people like you on YouTube clips. They have, for whatever reason, have not gone over to, to Twitch and watched this stuff live. Do you have a sense of sort of who your audience is and the what the average Dr. Lupo uh, viewer is and sort of what the range is? And the reason I'm asking is, you know, uh, I'm not parent of the year, but I am sort of trying to keep track of what my kids are consuming. And occasionally they'll come to me with language or ideas or something that I can't understand or I can't figure out where they picked it up and then I realize they picked it up for you or another gamer and we're all still talking about what they're consuming so I've got some idea but it does occur to me a lot of stuff is coming into their head that they might not even be aware of and I'm wondering if you think about your
2: audience what you're trying to convey to them um, if there's topics you want to avoid. Um, so the way that I typically gauge what we talk about and the language that I use, that kind of thing on stream, I mean, I'm an adult. I swear it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just one of those things. If I'm playing a game that has violence, blood, you know, that kind of thing, then obviously things are going to be a little bit looser than if I'm playing a game like Fortnite. Uh, because Fortnite is very much, it's very oriented for everyone. Epic will never say it's, it's, you know, they built it so that kids could play it but it, the the language playing that, it. It, I mean obviously you see yeah. it, tons and tons of done so they're never going to put anything in there that is that goes against the grain for that kind of thing which is why that's the same kind of uh, you know rule that I follow for So you'll calibrate YouTube. based on the game if you're playing oh, if you're playing Call
1: of Duty it could be an R rated conversation
2: if it's oh, Fortnite yeah. it's going to be PG Exactly uh, then there's no reason to not do it that way because it's the best way for parents to expect it's, yeah, to to know what to expect when they pull up a a YouTube video or watch a, a Twitch stream of someone playing those games. That's just me, though, is the thing. Everybody is different, mm-hmm. and so y- as a parent, please, 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 always, you know, check every individual content creator for their wh- whatever they whatever their gauge is. If you're worried about your kids hearing one thing or another, because I know there's a lot of parents out there that are like, I, you know, at X, Y, Z years old, I don't want them hearing about this thing yet, and. So you know, if if you don't want to have them hear you know, the f word, maybe don't watch a uh, Call of Duty or Escape from Tarkov stream because those are way more violent. But if you're okay with them, you know, watching Fortnite related stuff, and if they if they've seen Shrek, then that's the kind that's the level of stuff you're going to get. This is great. We're getting
1: we're getting uh, uh, some media insight. We're getting uh, some small business lessons, and we're also getting some parenting tips um, all in one interview. Ben, Doctor Lupo, it's great to meet you. That's great to meet you, too. Ed, thank you very much for having me, man. Thanks again to Dr. Lupo. It's a weird thing to call someone Dr. Lupo. We'll call him Ben Lupo. That was very cool. We're going to hear another cool conversation with Bijan Steven in a minute. First, we want to hear from a Recode Media sponsor. Thanks again. Now, here is Bijan Steven from The Verge. So we just talked to a professional gamer, a uh, professional streamer. Dr. Lupo. And I want to talk to someone who writes about people like Dr. Lupo for a living, and I think also streams himself. Bijan Stevens, my colleague from Vox Media, works over at The Verge, writes about this stuff all the time. I think he helped get us set up with Dr. Lupo. So thanks twice for helping us create content and also coming on with us. Welcome Bijan.
0: Thank you for having me here. Glad to be here and also glad to help you
1: create some content. Thank you. I'm watching you live. You're in Brooklyn, I think a couple miles from me down the R train.
0: Um, what's mm-hmm. what's the bottle there? <laughs> it's some old overhaul, which is like my house whiskey. I just keep it around. And I have to, because I live in a small Brooklyn apartment, I got to keep it on my radiator or one of my radiators. It doubles as a shelf. So uh, this, 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 whiskey, is, this is
1: how the sausage is made. This is how the whiskey is kept warm. We're bringing you back.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I have ice cubes in my fridge, so it's not the end of the world. But
1: All right. I, I have a little more room or if you want to store some of your whiskey here, I don't know that I'll, I might have other problems. I might <laughs> yeah, drink at all. Um, I'll just, I'll just send it on the train. <laughs> I, I want to talk to you about streaming in general. This is something that our audience, I think, is aware of but probably um, doesn't do a lot of or consume that much of. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to gaming, I think they're all aware of Twitch. Um, I think they're a little bit aware that the idea that, that, Both twitch and other streaming services are trying to branch out of gaming i want to talk to you about that and then let's just start with topic a what is it like to be consuming and creating live streaming when everyone is working from home and has that changed either the way you're consuming live streaming and and what people are making
0: yeah i mean i think that's a really good question i i think the answer is about what you'd expect because everyone's working from home. A lot more people are consuming things like Twitch and Mixer very casually uh, because it's kind of like a podcast. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean we're on a podcast right now, but so not to get too meta, but like a lot of people who are able to work from home have podcasts and things on in the background. Twitch does exactly the same sort of thing. Uh, and if you look at the numbers, uh, you know, Twitch recently, I think it crossed like a billion hours uh, watched in the last month, which is a wild number up it's up like thirty percent or something, but I think you know people are consuming this stuff more. I think it's changed as you mentioned. It's changed both the experience of creating the content. I hate that word, but it is what it is. Uh, and it's it's also it changed who's who's watching because I think you know I think the big thing is basically I don't know about you, but on my social media feeds I see new people hopping onto Twitch every day. I'm um, like just friends of mine, like you see it on Facebook and stuff. It's people like starting YouTube channels and and doing things like that because that stuff is actually inherently social. And right now, Twitch is one of the best ways to be social online. I think a lot of people are finding that to be the case. And also, you know, they're finding that they have, if they have a webcam and a microphone or, you know, a laptop that can do both of those things, they can, you know, film themselves playing piano or like film their patio as my friend Jen does. So you think this is not people who are already
1: streaming, streaming more or already consuming, streaming, streaming more. It's people who either weren't consuming Twitch before or weren't making streams or who are now doing, I mean, both, but you think there's a new audience.
0: I think it's both of those things. Yeah, and I, I do think there's a new audience. But yeah, I, I, think,
1: I think you're right. I think it's both of those things. I'm old enough to remember the beginning of blogging, um, old enough to remember the beginning Hell of yeah. podcasting, and there was this uh, sort of natural thing that happens, which is, hey, this seems like a fun and easy thing to do, and maybe even I can make money doing it, so I'm going to create my own blog or I'm going to create my own podcast. Mm-hmm. I think we're still in that phase now. Uh, and then inevitably what happens is you realize it's very easy to do, and no one cares. No one is consuming, reading your blog. No one's listening to your podcast. You're definitely not making any money. And then that sort of bubble comes down. Do you think we're at the beginning of that
0: bubble? First of all, is that going to happen with live streaming? I mean, I think there actually—it's actually very difficult to live stream. Like, that's one of the misconceptions. Is it's not just like you have to. If you're do, I actually wrote a guide about this for The Verge recently. But there is actually a technological hurdle to jump, uh, and it's not in the same way that you can like record a podcast with like GarageBand. You actually have to. Have specialized software to even play, to like play a console game. For example, you have to buy a two hundred dollar capture card and like learn how to use it. And there's there's all these bi- barriers to doing the kind of live stream, the kind of live streaming that we're accustomed to seeing on sites like Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you know, I think yes, the answer is yes. A lot of people are trying this stuff. Uh, they're learning that they can make money. They're learning that it's fun. But what it is not as easy. And you know, it is actually the. the I think you know, I've I keep I'm going to keep saying this, but I've written about this before. The discovery problem on Twitch is actually sort of huge. Like it's, it's hard to get noticed uh, in the way that's, you know, Dr. Lupo or somebody like Dr. Disrespect, a lot of doctors who aren't actually doctors on Twitch. Just like the internet. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to like, to make it to a place where, you know, streaming is or can be financially sustainable um, just because there's so many streamers and people, you know, like I think maybe we'll get into this later, but I think one of the best things that Twitch is doing right now is branching out from the conception that Twitch is only for gamers like right now, I think they're in the middle of like a food month. And so they're highlighting food and drink and like food, like chefs and bartenders. And, you know, I think I think as more people see the kind of stuff they can do on Twitch and the stuff that is possible, they'll start joining and then, you know, we'll go through the same blog podcast cycle. But I don't know. I'm like, I'm happy to see my friends like doing their like 6 p.m. yoga classes and cooking and doing advice stuff. And it, it's it's really like, I, I think it does feel like the early age of blogging, which I uh, know about from blog historians from old, uh, from old timeies from from the old the internet olds is what I, <laughs> is what I like to call
1: them. I mean, look, if you're a charismatic, interesting person, you're probably going to succeed in lots of different places. There's mm-hmm. a specific skill set that works for streaming, and the, the little bits that I've sampled, what's interesting to me is it's not eight hours of constant performance. I mean, there is engagement the whole time, but there can be sort of these mm-hmm. lapses and pauses. And I'm wondering if there's something specific about streaming that allows someone that maybe wouldn't be a good DJ or maybe wouldn't be a good actor or even a writer to sort of, it works. uh, Maybe there's an expectation from the audience that's different when it comes to live streaming.
0: Yeah, I think think there is a streaming skill set. And I think you can see it in people who are really good. It's weird because you're right. Like, you know, the streamers who stream for eight hours, which is not, it's not the majority of people. That's like a minority of streamers on Twitch stream for like eight hour periods at a time. But even if they're not, constantly engage like they're constantly engaging with their audience depending on how big they are but even if they're just playing something or not speaking they're still engaging to watch and like it's like either their gameplay or their affect or something um which is why i'm in awe of the just chatting streamers who do that for the whole day because that's impossible i don't know if you have ever tried to talk for like three hours at a, in a I'm, stretch, gonna, I'm gonna tap out
1: right around now yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly but i think i think really the skill set for live streamers that's important like the, the one skill that's important. Um, in my experience, is just being able to bring an energy to the, the people who are watching you. Like, you have to be... It's like, it's like, you know, I guess the old popular conception of, like, personalities. Like, you have to be a personality. You gotta be on. You gotta be on. And, yeah, and, like, people who can do that are pretty successful at live streaming more generally.
1: So, me slowly positing a question, thinking about what you're saying, that's not gonna work. I'm probably not alive. Well,
0: here's the other thing. This is the other half of the equation is how big's your audience, right? Because I think... Among people who have started streaming, or people who stream, like one of the best ways to, you know, make money and make engage or have engagement and, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all of the good things that happen when you know the dopamine things that happen when you get followers or whatever mm-hmm. online. The bigger you're following elsewhere off-platform, the bigger following you can bring to Twitch. And not a lot. The thing is, like, not a lot of those people stay. Like, you can have one hundred thirty thousand followers in Twitter, and bring over like five percent, maybe, uh, and like even less than that will watch you, but it's still, you know, like, that's still like a a huge head start because, you know, people watch Twitch for the personalities. They're in it for you. And so, you know, if you've established yourself as a person elsewhere, it's very helpful. So I
1: get moving from, and I want to ask you about the platform competition in a couple minutes. Uh, You Mm can move from Twitch in theory to Mixer or, you know, Facebook and YouTube have versions of this. Um, Are there people who are twitter people or tiktok people who then become streamers it seems like those could be very very different skill sets
0: i think they are um and i i mean personally i haven't seen that i'm sure it i'm sure it happens um one of my favorite things to keep track of vaguely online is like who's collabing with who like which instagram stars are going to like do things with tiktok people but like none of them ever show up on twitch um, is the thing because like i think twitch is actually because it's so gaming focused it's harder to just transfer your skill set over. It's gaming um, focus and also just the style, right? Like, so TikTok and and Instagram are here's a discrete thing. It's either
1: an image or it's a very short clip and I'm going to edit it. Yeah. And none of that that happens live. In terms of, you know, I was just talking to Dr. Lupo, who is now making a lot of money uh, working from home. Um, And prior to that had been making some money working from home because people were paying to watch him. What is the thing that tips you from being someone people like to watch to being something that someone will, pay to consume it's like five bucks a month
0: right yes so so uh, twitch has a gating system that it uses so there's if there are two levels on twitch there's affiliate and then there's partner affiliate means that like you you hit a certain number of metrics they're very easy to hit and twitch then allows you to start monetizing your stream and then partner is like you have to you know it's like it's much 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 harder uh and you get the purple check mark and you mm-hmm. know then you're sort of like then you're you're making like a significant amount of money like you know like not it depends on it depends it really depends on your audience but it's like you know you make like a few hundred bucks a month um or like thousands of bucks a month and the jump between those is i think very different but, but I, in terms of being a performer or someone in terms of getting
1: your audience finding find, being someone who your audience says i like watching you but i'm not going to pay to i actually will pay to either watch you or just because i support you what tips you over into that
0: that's, that, I mean, like, that's a really good question. I don't really have an answer, except for, like, you know, whenever I stream, I do have subscribers, like, people pay to watch me. I don't know why they do that, because it's definitely not required. I have a job. Shouts to The TheVerge.com, a good blog. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, think, I think really it's like a personal sort of alchemy. I think people, like, it's $5, right? And also, the other thing is Twitch Prime. I don't know if you've seen the whole Twitch Prime thing, but basically... Amazon gives you five bucks if you have a Amazon Prime subscription. Amazon gives you five bucks a month to spend on whatever streamer you want, so you can subscribe to people. Oh, so can, already... I'm I'm
1: giving you money for free, basically. Yes, from Jeff Bezos's pocket. God, Directly. I love socialism. It's the best. That's the best <laughs> when it's practiced by giants. Socialism, but
0: you're paying. You're paying how much a year for it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So it's it's. I think it's. I, I don't. I don't know because like the the barrier to entry, the barrier to paying somebody is so low. Like you can give them a hundred bits, which is, you know, bits are the Twitch currency. Uh a hundred bits is roughly equal to a dollar. I think it's less. And it's, you know, like that stuff adds up, but it also like I who knows, like when do you decide to give I don't know, when do you decide to give money to people?
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm just <laughs> like, it is a tough one. I mean, I it's do, a tough thing. I do think it I think that people who can build a connection to their audience and you feel some sort of intimacy with them is I think that's where you're going to do it generally sure yeah but we don't really know I've been watching Twitch for years try to position itself as not just a gaming platform yes Um, and you continually see a variety of media companies saying that sounds like a good idea um, like the N- you know, the NBA likes to try every digital platform, and and mm-hmm. and they'll say, oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna broadcast games on Twitch, but they sure. oh, we're gonna we're gonna make them interactive, and it doesn't seem from the outside like any of that has
0: really gotten much traction. Is my is my perception correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I think part of it is like the scale of Twitch is that is is it's, it's Twitch is massive, and so like there are people who do things that aren't gaming that are very popular, but like there aren't that many of them and they're not as visible on the site, I don't think. Um, So I guess I don't think your perception is wrong. Um, I I think that, this is this is one of the areas where Twitch struggles, frankly, and it's
1: you know. Do you think it's specific to sort of Twitch and the platform, or do you think there's something about look, it, there's a lot of people who are interested in watching someone play video games, mm-hmm. but when it comes to I don't know watching a basketball game, they'd rather watch the normal way, or if they're going to watch someone do an exercise video, they'd, there's other ways they already know and how to do it, mm-hmm. um, or actually all of this could work. It's just a matter of sort of getting it to people.
0: Yeah, I mean I I think that I think the mistake that most companies make is that or most like media companies make is thinking that Twitch is just like another broadcasting platform. Like the problem not the problem, but the thing about Twitch that prevents it from being that kind of, you know, home for sports or there was a there was a great CNBC report about this last year that was like the major, I think it was I want to say it was basketball networks were like, "No, we don't want to like make a, con- a digital exclusive contract with Twitch because we don't think you're ready for it yet." Mm-hmm. Um but the thing about Twitch is that it has been left to grow by itself for so long that it's become very insular. And the culture there is very different than on any other platform. Like YouTube has its own culture, Twitch has its like very different culture. And like broadcasting broadcasting something like a basketball game on Twitch is, is like makes sense because you know it's you know you can watch the game and chat with people who are also watching the game, but it's at the same time, it doesn't, it's like a format mismatch. Like I think that Twitch has grown up by itself in a lot of ways, without a whole lot of attention from the mainstream. And I think where Twitch collides with the mainstream, it can do well, but a lot of the time, that is the reason it doesn't. I think I think
1: we've seen versions of this again over time. We're like, oh, if we yeah. just drop this thing we're doing into YouTube, it'll work. And by the way, sometimes it does, right? Like a lot, of, a lot does, of online video works really, a lot, of, a lot of
0: stuff on TV works really well if you drop it into YouTube. Mm-hmm. But you can't, like going the other direction is also very hard, right? And like, that's, that's where you see the format of mismatch. Because YouTube is not television itself, And you
1: definitely see a lot of people who build up audiences online and then try to go to a TV. And Mm -hmm. I don't think any of them have been successful. I mean, they've
0: been doing it for
1: a decade and none of it works, as far as I can tell.
0: Yeah, it's true. And the interesting, so one of the things about Twitch that's interesting is like, I profiled Dr. Disrespect, who's one of the bigger figures on the site. And he got a TV deal, a development deal with Skydance. and. I think, I, as far as I know, he's one of the first, if not the first, Twitch creator to sign a TV deal. And I'm curious to see what happens. Because, you know, I remember when the first wave of YouTube celebrities were signing television deals and then watching those shows fizzle out on, like, Netflix and such. And, I, I mean, I really do think this is Twitch's mainstream moment. Now that everyone's at home and, you know, like, you can run out of television to watch, but you can't run out of streamers. Uh, and people are starting to turn to the site for entertainment. It's, you know... It'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is sort of the Wild West. And I think if Twitch plays its cards right, it could dominate. I mean, it could like really become a mainstream thing in a way that isn't just like marginalized. Speaking of pattern
1: recognition, right? You you'd see this happen a lot. Uh, Platform yes. X explodes or gets popular, or becomes something other companies pay attention to, they create their own versions of it. You have wars between the platforms that oftentimes benefits creators for a while. We were just talking to Dr. Mm-hmm. Lippo about that. He has a, a long-term deal now, it sounds like, with Twitch. And I think the reason he has that is because Microsoft created something called Mixer and hired mm-hmm. Ninja to go uh, work for yes. them, and and there's Facebook and Google. Are any of the other platforms, other than spending, uh, caffeine is another one, other than spending money trying to sign up uh, celebrities, celebrity streamers, mm-hmm. are any of them getting
0: audiences? You've asked the, mil- the multi-million dollar question. The answer is, we'll see. I think if you look at the metrics, for like Facebook gaming is actually maybe the best example of this. Um, they signed Disguise Toast, who actually recently streamed something on Twitch that was not gaming um, because Facebook is just letting him do that now. But if you look at something like Facebook, which signed a bunch of like big creators in South America, their audio, their share of like hours watched has gone way up compared to their earlier metrics. But again, like I don't think so. My sense is that no, like there aren't that many people who are going to these services to watch these creators.'re they're not they're signing up if they're signing up for the service, they're signing up to watch a specific person.
1: So you got and, a mixer to watch Ninja.
0: Right. But like that's like there are so many other people like within the Twitch ecosystem that you might not even follow Ninja there. And you like you can tell because his audiences, like his numbers are way down. He has spoken about this and says he doesn't really care. I mean, and why would he? He reportedly got like fifty million dollars over, you know, five years, you know, and can take vacations. I've 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 lost my audience, but I'm being well compensated for losing that audience. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is like what remains to be seen is, you know, these deals have expiration dates. And like who's to say that like Somebody like Ninja wouldn't just come back to Twitch afterward because like he still has, he's still like a, he's, st- he's like a, he's made it. Like he still has like a big enough audience and a big enough platform that any site would want him, you know, regardless of whether he's playing Fortnite or not. The interesting case is PewDiePie who went to DLive, which, you know, he's YouTube's biggest creator and he streams live on a site that no one's ever heard of that is like powered somehow by the blockchain. I don't know. But like, once that contract is up, he's going back to YouTube. Since we're chatting on video, you could see me just black out when you said blockchain. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm still laughing. I'm thinking about Vessel, too. Um, is there a sort of common, my, when my kids uh, imitate a streamer, they, they imitate a guy with an Australian accent? That's, that's oh what I think a, a, well, that's what a YouTuber is. Is there a sort of yeah. prototypical uh, streaming personality type besides being engaging?
0: Uh, yeah, I, there, there are tropes, uh, like, uh, you know, like the Twitch prime thing that everyone says, like, everyone's like, Oh, if you don't, if you know, if you have, you might have a free Twitch prime sub that you don't even know that you should use and you should use it here. That kind of thing. There are like these dialogues. And I think the most prototypical reaction is like whenever somebody donates a large amount of subs or bits, people just freak out. And those are fun clips to watch. Uh-huh. That's, that's, um, I just made, I just or, like, made money freaking out yeah, yeah but it, it's 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 more like i just got a lot of attention uh-huh. i think so i read i wrote I about this the other day uh one of the things i love the most about twitch is uh rating, which is a mechanic built into the site where you can after you're done streaming. You go. yes yes you can send your entire live audience to another streamer and so like when this happens with big streamers and small streamers it is it's like a moment of like complete chaos, as like hundreds or thousands of new people, new people just join a chat and start spamming emotes. And so, like, so you, know, like, you
1: end your house party and you bring your house party to someone yes. else's house party,
0: and they brought beer. Yeah. You know, it's like it's great, uh, and it's it's one of the more wholesome things. Um, although, obviously, as with anything online, you can people can use it for evil. But like, I think Twitch streamers freak out. YouTubers say, "Hey guys, Twitch streamers are like panicking at the number of subs and bits and donations they get."
1: I was reading that story. It's funny because it's one of those headlines. You're like, well, what does that mean that b John's talking about? <laughs> but you had a line in there about how, and you've mentioned the idea of, of Twitch being social, but also being a broadcast platform. And you said, look, actually, yes. in that piece, was striking to me. You said, it really is still a broadcast platform. There is interactivity. Um, mm-hmm. If you're streaming, you can give shout outs to people and they can leave comments for you. But it seems like it's still mostly someone talking at an audience. Is that still, yes. th- th- am I getting
0: that right? Yeah, it's still one to many. Except, the chat changes the dynamics of that equation. It's weird because, like, I think because the audience can talk back to you, and because as a broadcaster, you you rely on that feedback to like tailor your stream. Because, like, you know, if somebody likes something, it's a good bet that somebody else likes something. And if you're doing something wrong, you can get you know corrected in real time. My favorite example of this is like troubleshooting, which I think this is a rite of passage for every streamer is troubleshooting live on stream because something breaks anytime you get a new piece of equipment or whatever, like, it's destined to break on that stream. doesn't matter how much you tested it. And I think, you know, the true test of, like, whether or not you're a streamer or a broadcaster is, like, whether you can listen to your chat, calm down and fix the thing, or, like, decide to end the stream or whatever. And I think I think that relationship where, like, the broadcaster doesn't have quite as much power as you might on television or something. Like, it's not the same kind of like if you're a host on television you are at the mercy of your audience but you cannot see your audience you are you are you are subject to ratings you are subject to evaluations from people you do, you never see on twitch that is the, the the equation is the same but you can see everybody involved in it and and also cuz it's small enough scale right well to- Depending. I mean, like, I, I, f- I feel like if you have an audience like Dr. Lupo's, you know, that's tens of thousands of people chatting at you. And you can sort of tell because one of the other metrics is like you you can have like VIPs and regulars. There are people that you recognize whose usernames you recognize because because they've just been there so long. Uh, and there are special badges that you can give out, whatever. But like, and those are the people you'd listen to.
1: You often will read and hear about someone who is a TV star uh, and wanders into YouTube or Twitter um, mm-hmm. And gets freaked out by the comments. Um, yeah, and, and some some of them like really like engaging, and they'll fight with their their commenters. And a lot of them say never, or even in the older days, right? Like never read the comments on the internet um, because inevitably yeah. things get toxic, or people just can't handle getting that feedback. Is there anything the sort of uh, temper that that sort of natural tendency towards internet toxicity on streaming?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So Twitch audiences are are they reflect their broadcasters. If a streamer is toxic, their chat will be toxic. That's just like sort of the rule. But Twitch has a, a lot of really wonderful moderating tools. Like it's actually kind of incredible. They just rolled out this thing called ModView. Uh, and my mods have been like loving it. I don't know, you have a whole panel and you can see everything that everyone's doing and see like however many comments they've accrued on their account from other mods. And it's one of those things where like, if you are responsible, you'll have like a dedicated moderation team who knows what you'd like and uh, knows what you like to see. And so the comments are actually live Moderators Those are live humans not.
1: actually helping you filter that yes. stuff out.
0: Yeah, exactly. And those are usually volunteer roles. If you're big enough, you pay them because like out of the money that you get, because obviously, you know, like you have to assemble a team. But like those are the dynamic, the tendency on Twitch is to moderation. Uh, and, you know, uh, Emmett Shear himself, like the CEO, was, he told me uh, at TwitchCon last year, also rest in peace TwitchCon, another casualty of the pandemic. Um, but he told me last year that Twitch is not a platform for free speech, and I, I thought that was really striking because it, I like I was asking him a lot about moderation because that is one of the things I'm most interested in about the internet because I think, you know, poor moderation is the root of many 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 problems we still have. It's almost like nothing is new, right? Like the internet sort of removed the like the the natural controls of the public sphere, like. Like before, you couldn't just publish anything in the New York Times because they had editors. Mm -hmm. Those are the original mods, right? And now anybody can broadcast anything because everyone's a publisher because blah, 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 blah.
1: But I think there's something also about the internet that is, and also certain kinds of platforms, right? That encourages people to be angry, encourages people to be provocative. Um, Sometimes it's because they're anonymous, but on Facebook, people are assholes and they've got their names attached to it.
0: It's true. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, this is also like, this is the problem of society at scale, right? Like, this is not, it's not like, this is not a new problem. This is why we have governments and systems of, whatever. but you also like, don't have don't people have walking down the stuff.
1: street calling to their assholes normally, right? There is something normally, about the internet are, that, that stirs it up,
0: slashes and curts. Yeah. I think, I think it's because the internet doesn't have a shared set of norms yet. Like, it's just, it's too new. Like, the reason we don't yell at people on the street unless they're being assholes in New York or they're a cyclist or something is because, like, we know that there are, like, first of all, it's not done. We know that somebody else might see us and say something. We, we know that it could possibly be illegal. There are so many different considerations that happen in real life that do not yet happen online because, A, like, we haven't figured out, like, what those norms are online. We haven't figured out, like, how to police the internet, like, even, like, in a, in a sort of, like, criminal justice sense. Like, there are, like, it's hard mm-hmm. to figure out, like, it's still hard for people to figure out where responsibility lies for something that may or may not be criminal if it's not like drugs or something, right? Uh, And, you know, the third thing is like, it's hard to see other people as fully human because you don't have a face, you don't have a bodily presence. That said, on something like Twitch, where you have like a collection of usernames that you see and you recognize, like it's the the tendency is toward like sociality. It's like toward the norms on the side, the norms of every specific channel are dictated by the broadcasters, right? So like, if you're like, if somebody says something fucked up and you let it slide, more people will see that and they'll be like, oh, I can I can get away with that kind of thing. And it's literally like a series of those decisions ends up influencing the vibe of somebody's and broadcast. Maybe
1: it's also just the live aspect too. I mean, um, my producer Jelani, who right now I can't see, but uh, the other day I saw him tweeting uh, out a Twitch link and he was talking about a beat battle and I watched him live for a few minutes and it felt really creepy um that i was watching my co-worker (laughs) live uh but also like like, i immediately felt differently about what i'm would or wouldn't say to him than if he was tweeting something um just because you are seeing a human being there um and i think Mm -hmm. even even if you are an internet asshole it might take me more to be an internet asshole when you see the live human on the other side yeah speaking of jelani and you and me we were talking briefly before about when if ever we're going to go back to work and my half-educated guess is we're not going to go back into an office for a very long time because we live in New York. It's going to be very difficult to get us into an office. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be working home for for a long time. This is a long, long run up here. But eventually, more of the country will go back to work. They will leave their homes. They will do things. What happens to Twitch and live streaming as that happens?
0: I think that, again, like this is another 1000000 multi-million dollar question. I think the answer is dependent on whether or not Twitch has embedded itself in the mainstream sufficiently during this like this weird period where it had like where it can capitalize on everyone being at home i think the answer is that it will st- i mean obviously it'll stay big but it i think people will be m- more into the idea of experimenting on twitch and mixer and stuff or I-, I mostly mean twitch because they're now more familiar with it because like they'll have seen the links tweeted out by their friends and gone into those twitch streams and been like hey what's up like sometimes my coworkers workers come into my twitch stream and it's like it's really nice to see them but it's you know it's one of those things where it's sort of Basically... We're in a weird moment and we're all acknowledging it. Yeah, and it's like, I think those, like, it's not like in the future that stuff didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, you don't just forget that you you watched a Twitch stream or something or that like, you, like, saw it, you know, you hung out with your friends in a new format. Like, I don't think those things are going away. And I think we'll still remember this period, obviously. But I think the the weirdness of it will be low, like, less, lessened, lower. I mean, because it's like, now it's not strange to stream on Twitch, right? Like, society, we've just decided... As like an internet society that like I was like yeah fuck it like everyone's at home we're, we're we're what are we doing what else are we doing anyway and I think you know like five years from now I think people still remember this and be like yeah you know Twitch isn't weird anymore it's still it's like a thing that people do Bijan I I I want to
1: watch you live stream now you've convinced me I think you should what uh, if I if I do <laughs> want to follow you uh, is it easy to find you on Twitch or is there a is there a, is there a name I need to yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah I know it's just Bijan Steven, because if this is another rule of the internet keep a consistent branding
1: all right excellent branding um i do want to see if if the overhaul uh, goes away over time as i check in on you i'm really you'll, obsessed with that bottle right now you'll never know uh, i have a few dude thank you for making time <laughs> great to meet you i will meet you in real life either in brooklyn or in 85 broad street at some point down the line awesome
0: well thank you for having me i've had a great time
1: thanks man Thanks again to Dr. Lupo slash Ben Lupo. Thanks again to Bijan Steven. Thanks again to our sponsors. Thanks again to Jelani and Joel who produce and edit this show from their home so you can hear it in your earbuds. We had two really good Recode Media episodes. I'm quite pleased with myself for making those things. Uh, I'm glad you got to listen to them. we got more cool stuff coming your way next week. See you soon.